Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the Huddersfield Sound Social. I'm Grimara, joining me as ever are Ian Kilroy, Cameron Pope, returning once again Gareth Kay, back on the show, Stephen Downs. Um, we're going to start on a really, really nice positive. Huddersfield Town absolutely smashed the wall, which is always a nice thing to hear. The, cr- the crowds weren't there at the den, so that let, let us win in my opinion. But Josh Caroma, Peeper and Lewis O'Brien all bagged as Town comfortably beat Gary Rowett's Millwall yesterday. What a fantastic result. Uh, coming after a disappointing result against Birmingham. Town, what an absolute privilege to watch if you pay 10 quid into the iPhone machine yesterday. Cam, I can't eulogise like... enough about how, how good that was. I mean, that first goal, I don't think I've ever seen anything of the like. Was it 25 passes we had in a row with uh, pretty much the whole team getting behind it? I mean, okay... There's one caveat to this, but I'm going to shoot that caveat down quite quickly. Um, I don't want to come across as too negative in one of the in the week of one of the best performances we've seen for months. Um, the opposition offered very little, but okay, no real goal scoring chances of note. However, I think that's as much to do with us stifling them as anything else. Uh, and the great performance was a team performance, and it started at the back with Ben Hamer, who okay didn't have an outshining performance because he didn't need to. He did everything that was asked of him once again. That's all, all you can. Re- that's all you can request, really. And so, I've got no bones to pick with him. I thought he was strong. He commanded his area. He came out and punched and cleared when he needed to. He was helped by Naby Sarr in front of him, who was solid at the back again. Also, wasn't afraid to burst forward either. And the midfield shoddiness that had, um, that had played this in, in recent games has been cleaned up. You know, Jonathan Hogg, he worked tirelessly to win that possession. Uh, he didn't get caught out slipping too deep. Um, he played positive football, forward balls. He didn't resort to uh, playing sideways passes the whole time. Janino Bakuna, when he came on, he didn't resort to unnecessary trickery, even when we were starting to run away with the game. He was always finding the space. A great layup for the third goal. And it was encouraging to see we achieved most of this without our one of our two key outlets, Peeper. We've talked and eulogised many a time on this show just how important to Town's uh, attacking football and Corbin ball that Harry Toffolo uh, and Peeper are. And obviously Peeper didn't play most of the game. I thought D'Amico De Haney, okay, he didn't shine, but then nor did he stick out. For a young lad coming to the side and deputising, I thought, okay, it was an assured performance. Um, we held our shape well. And then when people did come on, it worked too. And what a masterstroke to put him out on the left wing. I, I was a bit surprised when he came on. I was trying to work out on my head where he was going. I'm thinking, okay, this is the wrong side of the field entirely, but he certainly didn't look out of place. Okay, got a bit of a big slice of fortune with the second goal. I'm still not convinced went over the line, but you won't catch me complaining either. And that third goal, I mean, what a masterpiece. It, it would prove what we've all seen and know to be true. Town of quality when we can hit them on the break. Brilliant finish by Lewis O'Brien. As I've already said, uh, a quality passing uh, by Bakuna, defence into attack. It seemed that most of the problems we spoke about following the last two defeats were addressed in that one game. And okay, it's it, it's one match, but we were playing against a side who could have entered the top three with a win there. And we absolutely battered them. We absolutely played them off the park. And it was so assured to see. Um, I was a bit worried when I saw the Magic Chinos weren't there, but it looked like we didn't need them. What a game. I think he might replace the magic chinos with a magic polo neck. Now he looked magnificent in it, I have to say. Um, I thought town were very comfortable. Um, Millwall tried to Millwall. Um, you know, there was high press. They were trying to play with a bit of energy, certainly early doors, left a foot in. Um, they were lucky not to be down to 10 men at one point. I thought the lad had been booked absolutely wiped, Sar out, and could have been a red card in itself. 
But I think we stood up to that, which was encouraging. Um, we seemed to be finding a way to play around the press because that was my concern that we'd had a couple of occasions recently where teams had played three men high up the pitch and pushed the full-backs back. But we seemed to be able to find a way to play around that, which is encouraging. Um, I thought Karoma was really encouraging. I'm starting to think that lad really can um, really can lead the line for us. Um, you know, he looks good. And Bakuna, for me, he's showing what I think he is, which is an impact player. I think he loses that impact when he plays a full 90, bring him on like we did, where he can affect a game that's already already way down the line. He, he makes a big difference. And the third goal was lovely. I, I think we're, uh, you know, we're in a positive goal. We've got a positive goal difference for the first time, as long as times I can remember, certainly two or three years. Um, and, you know, that team... He's, he's starting to look like a team that could give somebody a real spanking at some point. You know, the positive way we play on the break now is really encouraging. So, you know, it was a, a successful day all round and topped off um, with Toff making his 100th consecutive appearance, which I think says a lot about the guy. You know, he's the, him and O'Brien are the kind of people I want to see this team built around an ultimate pro. You know, you don't play 100 games consecutively for two clubs in three divisions and three different managers if you haven't got a bit of something about him. And he's, you know, his, his growing bromance with Louis O'Brien off the pitch, you know, really is, uh, is giving me some encouragement. So, yeah, a, a great day all round for sure. I think from my point of view, it was the probably the best performance of the season. Um, I, I think special mentions have to go to Ben Amer in, in the fact that he did have to make one class save uh, round the post. Uh, you know, he came for every ball. He looked strong in the box. And, you know, after a few weeks of, um, I'd say, semi or very solid performances, it's nice to see some consistency coming into his game. There could have been, there were two shouts. I had the Millwall commentary on for the eye follow, and they were sort of saying there were two early shouts uh, for, for slight penalties, uh, which I, I didn't really agree with. Uh, and they were the only sort of bad points, I would say, of, of what was an, an extraordinary performance in what we've never really given down at Millwall. I mean, we've, we've never really performed well down there. I thought Millwall were going to be like what Preston were a couple of weeks ago, where they would try and bully us, especially when they brought Matt Smith on. I thought, here we go, they're going to just pump balls up to, to Matt Smith and they're going to try and bully our centre-backs. But it was really nice to see Saar take on that physical challenge and, sort of beat Smith for quite a lot of it, to be honest. I thought that was really impressive. It was nice to see D'Amico Dehaney, a young fullback that we've seen a number of times now, who sometimes hasn't really shown the um, the ability to get forward, but I thought his attacking play was really good. Uh, in place of people who we all know is, you know, is a, a fantastic fullback now, I think he will become one of the, the great fullbacks that Town have had in a long time, to be honest, just with his attacking ability and his skill. And I think another guy that deserves a mention, as well as uh, Karoma, which you guys have touched on, is is Isaac Mbemza, who, to be honest, over the last few weeks, has put in a fantastic defensive display and something that we've not seen for, for you know since he started at the club. And I think, um, you know, Carlos is, is getting the best out of Isaac now. And if he can just put, you know, some more quality on on the ball, 
uh, going forward, I think we'll see a massive, massive improvement in him. But for his effort and his determination to get back and and all them uh, attributes, I think you know you've got to say fair, fair play to the fella. We, we made Millwall look crap, which was nice uh, for a change. And so I think you know all the players should be very proud for their their performances. To be honest, well, in the, in the last week we've had um, two games that are very, very different. The first game we had against Birmingham. Um, it was a bit of a throwback to last year in that they sat they sat deep and they, they asked us to break them down and we, we don't have players still that can do it and it, it did it even showed at that point 70 odd percent possession and, and we struggled to break them down I think we had two shots on target we had no Naby Sarr and that really made a big that was a huge difficulty in the back line for us because um, as we saw yesterday with Naby Sarr back in we're a totally different outfit he's a beast he cleans everything up in the air he's strong he, he's pretty good on the ball which is surprising for a big lad I thought he wouldn't be as strong as he is but, um, oh, look, we've got to enjoy Pippa for now because he's not going to be here very long. I know he didn't start yesterday, only played a few minutes, but he's one of the best fullbacks I've ever seen at this level. He's phenomenal. What he can do, attacking, defending, is, is better than most people. And better than what you get for 500 grand or whatever we've paid for him. He's something else. Yesterday was, a, it was one of those games where, again, early on, there were a couple of penalty shouts for Millwall. I didn't think it were penalties. I think they went down soft. They were looking to me that they've worked on in, in, in training before the game that Schindler's a bit handsy. Every time he's put a hand on somebody, they've gone down easy. The ref wasn't having any of it. Won a penalty for me either. Scored early. And, and if any team can defend a one-goal lead, it's Stuttersfield Town. We've been able to do it for years and we can still do it pretty well. And that's what happened yesterday. We got The, the goal went in our favour early on and it's probably the best goal I've ever seen Town score. I'm going to throw that straight out there. It's as good as it gets. We've had Wagner ball, which was passe-passe, a lot of it pointless passing. The most exciting thing about the football we're playing today, the football we played yesterday even, is that it's not just passe-passe. It's not, it's not tippy-tappy. If you look at the, um, I think Stephen Chicken put out a graphic of the passes and the runs involved in the play, and there were five dribbles within the goal. That's, that's amazing. That's phenomenal. This passing isn't needless passing, which is what we did against Birmingham in that a lot was backwards and, and sideways and slow, and it, it alters the tempo. From watching town this year, there's two distinct patterns of play that we love to do. Now, the first one we spoke about before, and that is the player who has the ball and passes the ball on, then chases it or runs forward as fast as possible. For Karoma's goal yesterday, that's exactly what happened. I think he played into Pritchard, who chucked it out to the right to Diakabi, who's edited it back from Benzo, who actually missed it, and it's fallen to Karoma. But that comes there because Karoma, as the guy that has the ball that passes it into Pritchard, when he runs forward, he's free because it's hard to follow a guy who's just passed it because the man marking him has to look around to see where the ball's gone first to see if he has to switch his man. He didn't yesterday. Karoma's there and a lovely... I'm going to start calling him uh, Carlin Karoma because the way he plays is very Grant-like. It really is. He cuts in from that either left or right side, depending where he's playing. He's, his composure has increased and improved so much so quickly this year. Um, it, it, was, it was brilliant. And, and to be honest, a lot of Towns play yesterday came on the back of Lewis O'Brien. He has become, in, in what, two, three games since he's been back now, fit again. He looks fit. He, look, he, looks, he looked legged the first couple of games, first game or so. But yesterday he was back to his best and the driving into space is the first one. That, that, that's absolutely phenomenal. But where that all starts and where two goals, goals came from yesterday was the back line. Whenever the back defenders get the ball, the first thing they do isn't look for a pass. They run 10, 15 yards. They take the space that's available for them. They're driving the ball forward. And what that does is it creates angles for easier passes to midfielders. Jonathan Og yesterday looked fantastic. And that's because of the work the defenders put in. When they drive the ball forward and give him the ball, his angles are easier. When he turns, he's got more options. He isn't the most creative, but the defenders have done the work for him. It was absolutely brilliant yesterday's performance. 
And as, as the performance goes away at Millwall, it couldn't have been better. We know late on games, they open up a little bit. Pippa got a bit fortunate with his goal. But you get fortunate based on throwing players forward in a controlled manner. Against Birmingham, there was a, a shout that maybe we went a little bit gung-ho looking for a win. I don't think that was the case. I think we just got beaten in that little gap between the right centre-back and Pippa that we've been beaten at a few times this season. Um, but but yesterday, it was just so controlled and the counter-attacking at the end of the game was fantastic. It was It was a game that it's just exciting, isn't it, to watch it? Like, if that's what we have for the rest of the year, that's that's fine by me because the attacking football, the football, the possession with purpose, that, that's the thing that really excites me with it. It's not just sideways passing. It's it's something where the goals can come from. Um, and if it's starting at Ben Aimer, then it makes me happy because I said he was going to be great this year. And he, he, he's pretty good so far. The shout that he was at fault for Birmingham's winner, I think, was very, very unfair considering it came pretty point pretty fast from only 12, 15 yards and Steeman's kind of in his way and tried to hit his leg up behind it to stop it. So it's a bit harsh giving him that. But look, yesterday, it's a textbook win from one up away from home. You wait late. You let them tie themselves out trying to break you down. And then when they are tied, you hit them fast on the counter with players that you bring on from the bench, off the bench like Bakuna. He was fantastic yesterday. After a horrendous performance against Birmingham where he's given a shit corner away, then he's given a shit foul away, and then he's been absolutely shat on from the, from the actual free kick that they scored from. Yesterday was perfect. He came on and did exactly what he used to do last year when him and Diakabi had that little run for the Cowleys late on in games. He's, um, he's a player that, that creates moments for us, and, and, and yesterday was just... Uh, the right moment at the right time and, and a big, big three points for us going into another couple of hard games before an international break. We cut out the sloppiness yesterday, Killer. I think that you just, that's I guess that's what you were getting at. Certainly in the Birmingham game, we gave away way too many sloppy fouls and we've done it in a few games this year and in, and in bad positions, you know, sloppy fouls, 10 and 15 yards from our box either side of the goals. Ideal for somebody with a bit of quality to stick something in on top of Hamer. You know, Hamer's got a reputation of being a bit wobbly under pressure. So, you know, we've not held to ourselves. And I thought we, we, that's what I said when I was trying to say Millwall tried to Millwall. They wanted to drag us into a battle. And I think credit to the players. They didn't get into that battle and they didn't make silly mistakes as a consequence. I think that's why I think we're subbing, guys. I think from last week against Birmingham, um, we struggled a little bit. And then um, we made the change because we were a bit sloppy in possession. Whereas today, everything uh, yesterday, so it was, everything was purposeful. And you can't underestimate that. When your centre-backs are driving forward 10, 15 yards to play a pass, that's exactly what you want. And we did it from the first minute till the 90th minute. It was brilliant. And um, to see that was was something we've not seen for donkey's years. It was it was really good. Millwall's defensive record before yesterday was highly impressive as well. You see, I think they had the most clean sheets in the whole of Europe. Um, so that's a more testament to the way town play. But... The, the one player I picked up on, and, and, and Ian mentioned it, was was Nabi Sarr. Um, we've seen the ridiculous of him, and we've seen the sublime yesterday. He's an enigma, this lad. He's um, he's one of those players, you can tell why he spent the years at the level that he has done, because if he was consistent, he would be playing at the, probably the top echelons of the championship. But what he's brought to the club... In, in the first half, well, five or six games he's been here. I don't think he's even played five or six games yet with the quarantine. Um, it, it's, it's allowed us to be a little bit more... This is, again, coming from, from Tuesday night's game against Birmingham. We, we, we went with Stearman and, and Schindler, which is... I mean, the, the pace at the back isn't very... <laughs> isn't brilliant uh, with those two. But um, he's just got a little bit of a magic about him, which I, I don't think we've had for a long time. It's a, you know, we've obviously got Ramona Critchlow and Noble and, and, and 
Edmonds Green, who you are, are on periphery and and but knocking down for a first team spot. But you know, if, if we can get one more like uh, Naby Sarr, surely January is going to be really key to how we progress as a football club because Carlos really does need backing. And if we can solidify that defence a little bit more with the with the likes of Coroma and Mbenza causing havoc up front, surely we're on to a, a nice mid-table finish this season. Well, there's so many of our players that you could say that about, isn't there, that if they were playing to their full potential, they wouldn't be with us. We've just said that about Peeper when he finally gets discovered. And, and we'll do well to hold on to him. We've said about Bakuna, if he realised his true potential on a consistent basis, he'd be playing in the Premier League, you know. Um, and thankfully, Naby seems to be with us, not for Bakuna's reason, which, you know, a perceived uh, lack of effort or uh, the downing of tools. Um, you know, he's not had, I wouldn't say he's been a standout performer in any club he's been, but he's certainly well-liked and well-looked on. Um, and he's presence, isn't he? He's a presence, not just physically, but but the game seems to rotate around him. He, he He's not afraid to drive forward. And like Ian was saying, that's such a pivotal part of how we play. Um, start a move off, you follow it. And he he's, he's very happy to get up the field. He looks comfortable on it. Okay, yeah, we saw a bit of a comedy of errors from him in midweek, and he's certainly not immune to that. But he's certainly a good addition to the squad. When we're just sort of starting to see Schindler start, his star start to fade a little bit, um, it's the right time to bring someone in like that. And, and so, okay, fair play. I think the players we have recruited, um, we've said on many an occasion there hasn't been enough of them, but the players we have recruited, other than Danny Ward, I would say, um, they've been good. They've been strong additions. And so... I now I look at him and I think I had the same excitement I has about when 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 Schindler came in the first time. I think okay, different sort of player, different style of player. Um, but now when the cross comes into the box or when a corner comes in, I'm confident that Naby's going to be there to, to to mop up. Um, I think it gives I think it gives confidence to those on the pitch. He's got the experience as we said at this level. Um, so okay, this is exactly the sort of experience we need to be drawing on to complement the youth we're trying to bring through. And I feel that um, Critch Lowe and Edmonds Green can learn a lot from him. Um, so that's important too as well. We've spoken, we've heard the club speak about the youth, um, the, the the concentration on the youth coming through, uh, and how pivotal that is to our development. Well, he's going to be pivotal to their development, uh, and I'm glad we have role models like that in our side. So again, it's a matter of consistency but the fact that he and Stearman are really starting to come good at the same moment that gives me a lot of encouragement um otherwise I think we could have come stuck we were worried about Stearman's progress last season uh which would Schindler's power starting to wane um this could have been a really problematic area of the field and it certainly it comes it comes to pass that okay we've seen uh um Romney Critchlow come through and he looks like he'll be an esteemed player when he gets some um, more games under his belt. And so what could have been a really problematic area of the pitch with Naby's inclusion and Richard Stearman's improvement has become quite a strong one for us. What I'd say on the centre-back front is that, and Ian touched on it earlier on, was the fact that what Naby gives us now is because he runs into that space, like a little bit like Hef used to do in a way, that he sort of supplements the pressure that's on Jonathan Hogg. Um, you know, Hoggy can just play that role that he always wants to play, disrupting the opposition, you know, making simple passes. Naby now can make, you know, he runs into the space. And if there's a difficult pass to play, we know that he's good enough to play that pass. A lot of the time he was playing balls, whipping balls in down the line. Uh, you know, into space for Lewis O'Brien to run into. So he's taken that pressure off Hogg, which means Hogg can play his game, uh, which means that he doesn't have to do 
two or three roles in 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 you know getting the ball from the centre back or the keeper, uh, then trying to do things in midfield. It makes Hoggy's game so much simpler. I see Naby as a little bit like what Hef used to do. Obviously, he's quicker. He's got more attributes on the ball. He's better on the ball, which is great. Um, you know, he's good at heading, um, and he he can become an all round great championship centre back. I think Naby has got everything, uh, everything you need to become a cult hero at a football club. I can see how it happens to him. You know, his physical size, the fact that he wants to be involved in everything, the, the, the fact he likes to make a rick now and then. You know, I think he's got everything in his makeup to be a cult hero. I, I don't think it's any surprise that now we've finally got a proper left-footed centre-back and Schindler can play as a right-footed centre-back, that they look better as a pairing than he does with Stearman. You know, I think that that definitely helps Schindler. And when you look at the the back four that played yesterday, you know, uh, Dehaney came through the academy's cost us no peeper. If it's not Dehaney, cost us a few hundred grand. Toffolo cost us a few hundred grand. And Sar was a freebie. You know, actually, it just goes to show we, we don't need to spend a fortune. And I think that, I know we keep going on about transfers, but I do think that Phil thinks we all want him to spend several million pounds on players. Well, I'm not after that. What I'm after is more of that. You know, they'll be on good championship wages, no doubt. I don't doubt that for a minute. But these players uh, are eminently affordable and we're starting to show that as a club, we can find them and attract them. So, you know, encouraging. And, and I think Saab will probably do. I could see Saab being another five-year player for us. I could see him doing five seasons and playing regularly in our first team. But we were all very critical of the transfer committee up until this year. The last couple of years have been ridiculous. However, what we've brought in this year has been pretty solid on on the whole. And and Naby Sars probably for me the best of them. He's been he's been fantastic already. He's come in straight away. He's made a difference. You can see straight like when Schindler did come in, same thing straight away. He looks a class above everybody else. And now Sar doesn't, but he just he just um he works. He's the right fit for us. And now that's what you get at this level. You're not going to get complete players because if they were complete players, they wouldn't be at championship level at a club like Huddersfield, would they? They'd be in the Premier League, like we said about Bakuna, as, as Cam mentioned earlier on. So you get players with limitations and you look at Sa and his concentration and some of his back passes are horrific. Some of his decisions when it comes to playing the ball out from the back are horrific. But if he didn't have that aspect to his game, he'd be at a better club than us, right? So we've got to make the most of what he does. And Carlos Corbran is doing that on a, on a weekly manner now in that he's asking him to bring the ball out. He's asking him to play the passes around. He's, he's for me, he's, he's everything that Schindler and Steeman are not at this point in their careers. He's strong, he's athletic. Um, he's, he's pretty quick for a big lad, which is pretty crazy when you look at Steeman and Schindler being smaller and, and, and um, athletically uh, struggling. Maybe that's, maybe that's the best way, best way to put it, but they're not what's, what they weren't want whereas um Saar covers for them for a lot and and he's he's when it comes to the back line and when it comes to the center backs he's a first name on the team sheet it was a big miss when he when he had his suspension midweek um and and how often can you say a center back plays such a dominant role in creating attacks and um, I've not seen it at town before but he is a guy that creates going forward from a center and it sounds crazy even saying it but he just does look at 25 passes before the goal on Saturday he's just um he's everything we needed and he, and, he, and he didn't cost anything. It's just well played, Town. That was a that was a very, very good move. Well, Town are currently 12th in the Championship with a, a, a goal difference of zero. So that's probably the first time God knows how long we've actually had a goal difference. It hasn't been in the negative, which is a wonderful achievement. Uh, probably at least three or four years since that's happened. 
so we can all sit back, relax, and, and take every sip of it whilst it lasts. Carlos Ball is very much in full flow, as uh, Alan Partridge would say, liquid football. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll finish on, on the games against Bristol City and Luton uh, at the end of the show, but <laughs> we know what we're coming on to now. Um, off On the field, fantastic, looking wonderful. Off the field, we were treated to 48 minutes of sheer boredom as we finally got the canal side video. Um, some will say, well, you've been asking for it for months. Uh, I'd retort to that. We were promised it months ago. Yes, the canal side video is finally out. We got to see an irrigation centre, some wonderful landscaping up to the academy pictures and how not to wear a face mask as demonstrated by Lee Bromby. Um, I shouldn't be so cynical, um, but I, I, I came off watching uh, somebody, a, a friend of mine who had been part of the team that designed Liverpool's new training facility, and they put a video out, which was three minutes and kind of did um, about half the stuff that we'd want as town fans that we, when we'd been promised. And we had 48 minutes. It, it, it seemed... Uh, it seems it just seems that Huddersfield Town don't know their audience and they don't know quite know how to speak with us anymore. And as evidenced through a training facility that costs six million, um, when we were promised something that cost twenty million. I mean, I just I don't know what to make of it anymore. I, I think it's, it's it's been an absolute um, laugh a minute when it when it comes to this. Um, especially when you look at the the analysis room, which was shown to us as a mini cinema, and now looks like um, somebody's chucked some MDF in a room with some floor panels and uh, half a dozen chairs. It's 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 very much Huddersfield Town. That um, we've been calling, asking for it for a while. We've been we've been asking questions for it for a while. But I mean, what was delivered just just that brings more questions to the party around the ownership of Canal Side where the legacy of the Premier League, which was supposed to be this world, not world-class, that's taking it a bit too far, but Premier League quality facility has gone. And it just seems to me that everything about Huddersfield Town, we've half-assed it and we've, um, we've, we've got this instead. Well, I'll tell you what, lads, that is one hell of a boiler room that we were introduced to um, this week. I mean... You've got to be careful what you wish for, haven't you? Um, I was quite excited to see the video come out. And then the first tweet I saw was uh, was along the lines of, oh my God, 48 minutes long. So I was quite intrigued, to be honest, to see how we could fill this. Um, look, I'm not going to beat around the bush because I could talk probably for 48 minutes on, uh, on, on just what I think of that video. Um, but I'll, I'll, summar it, um, I'll, I'll summarize it like this. <sighs> We were promised, a, like you said, Greg, a Premier League standard facility worth an estimated twenty million pounds. And I know estimates can can be can be wrong. They are estimates in their very nature. However, okay, 12, 20 million to twelve million to six million. What's missing? Well, okay, I know that the the, uh, the initial plans have mysteriously disappeared from the internet. Um, but luckily, um, someone on Twitter was able to find them again, the old three-story plans that we were promised that were going to put us on a level with um, with Premier League clubs that were going to be our Premier League legacy. Um, I'm being honest, what, what I saw there, okay, considering where we came from and what we had, 
um, when David Wagner took us up to the Premier League, basically getting promoted out of some porter cabins. Yeah, it's an improvement. Okay, we've got to the present day. But that's what I'd expect from a mid-table championship club for a training ground. All right. And yeah, okay, part of me does miss Canal Side. It's a shame because it had some nice memories going down there to the bar. I remember going for a pint before I got this coach to Hillsborough for the playoff semi. But you're right, you, you can't be a, a championship club with higher aspirations when you've got a game of crown green bowling going on around first team training. Okay, it just doesn't work like that. Fine. Uh, but when we're promised, from what we were promised to what we've actually got, I'm struggling to see how this sets us apart. And okay, whilst it won't put anyone off who's coming to the club, I don't think players who were trying to attract the club for championship level, no one's going to think, no one's going to turn their nose up at it. It's not going to be, you know, it's not a new string to our bow. It's not another weapon in our arsenal. I thought it looked very plain. I thought, okay, okay, it didn't quite look finished. And I understand, okay, obviously with the current situation, that's difficult. And that is, as the club has said, the case. But it was being vaunted as some um, as some head-turning, um, world-stopping experience in a training ground to, to be jealous of. When, in essence, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's good enough, but it's nothing like we were promised. And I fail to see... I fail to see how the club can can make this video and put it out and ex- not expect this backlash because again, it's it's as if they're ignoring the fact that this is clearly going to strike ire up within the fan base. It was made such a big point was made about our Premier League legacy, and whenever anyone who doesn't really follow Huddersfield Town has come up to me and gone, "What's happened?" I've, I've always quipped, "Well, you know, we've got a new training ground after, out of it." And yeah, we have got a training ground out of it, but it's a you know a mid-table Championship at best one. So I was really disappointed to see that. And I was also, to echo the point we've made, disappointed that the club didn't really seem to understand its its fan base. And I saw a tongue-in-cheek comment from Matt Devlin in a reply to someone on on, on Twitter saying that I didn't realise how much of a big deal. Well, you probably should realise how much of a big deal it is because this means a lot to town fans. This is That was our way of saying, OK, well, the Premier League, um, apart from the memories it gave us, wasn't a waste of time. We got something... We got, we got, wasn't a waste of time. We got something tangible and credible out of it. But in reality, we've got a slightly better training facility, the six million pounds, and it's still unclear as to what's happened to what was initially going to happen. So it just seems a bit, you know, smoke and mirrors to me. You're right, Cam. I mean, this was meant to be when we finished our differentiator. This was meant to be the thing that made us different to uh, teams in our ilk. So teams like Millwall and Rotherham you know, clubs that have our kind of original budgets. Um, I mean, listen, I think it was, I was underwhelmed by the whole thing. Um, You know, it's not about how much money they've spent. It's it's almost irrelevant to me. It's more about the quality of the presentation, but it was 45 minutes too long. I mean, I've got a pretty short attention span anyway, as anybody who knows me will tell you. So after about five, I'd had enough. And I guess the tone was set when they took us into the security office to show us a computer and two mismatched desks. You know, from that point onwards, it was never going to wow me anyway. But what really worried me, and this is this is um, something that just feels to be a bit in the club, and, and uh, you know, Mark Devlin's the CEO, right? So so my boss, who's the, who's the CEO of our business, if he turned up to a site, looking like that, what message would that send to our employees? You know, and, and people are going to think, they say, well, this is really petty. And maybe it is petty, but it's about standards, right? So the bloke didn't have cufflinks on. The mask thing, I know people are making a joke. That is what it is. The, the bloody things are terrible. 
But you go into the media office and it was a shithole. There was crap everywhere. Stuff on desks, stuff pinned at walls, sellotape, blue tack. This is a brand new facility. And they think that that's acceptable. And the problem with that for me is it's, it, the standards then work their way through the business because that's what this is. It's a business unit now. It's self-contained. There's no members of the public in there. This is a business unit. <clears throat> and when I was real, and that's what really disappointed me in about the money because we can only spend what we can spend. But when we've when we've created what we're you know we're claiming to be a purpose-built facility, the standards there already to me don't look high enough. Yeah, I I, I totally agree with uh, with what you've just said there. Um, I know Ian's preparing his his rant there. I can see, but I, I think from my point of view, let's be honest, right? We were set out. We were told what we were going to spend. It was a massive article that, I mean, they, they didn't just sort of like put it out at midnight, what they were going to do, what was it, a year ago, two years ago, about, you know, it, it, it was some sort of secret plan. They made a massive thing about it. We're going to do this. We're going to have a three-story building. We're going to have the best pictures. Da, 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 da. It was a huge thing that they put out. And then as time's gone on, people have said, right, well, where's the plans for Canal Side? What, what, what's happening with it? There's been no answers, no communication, nothing at all. It's terrible communication about Canal Side. I think it's it's such a shame. I agree that um, what Cam said about, you know, if you're a championship club, you've, you, you know, you can't really have this where people are coming in and, and having a bit of dinner. and But we were also told that there was going to be um, some sort of centre put on, on Leeds Road. Everything was going to be moved over. We've had no communication about that either. So ultimately, the people that have, have missed out has been the fans because we've had no communication about the new facilities except for this now 48-minute horrendous video. I mean, to, to start off, and put and go into the community shed, um, the, the uh, security shed. Sorry, is just why do we need to know about it? what? What does that tell us? Right. So the site is secure. Brilliant, fantastic. Bob is doing a great job in making the players safe and sound. Brilliant. But we didn't actually need to know that. You know, we don't need to know about a road being tarmacked behind the pictures that is going to make it an easier access for academy players. That's, you know, they spent three minutes on that. Hey, it was Why attractors, the... though, Steve. And it's attractors. Oh, well, <laughs> well, we've got two of them. We've got two of them. It's like Bill and Ben, isn't it? You know, it's, I, I, I just, the, the video is just an absolute cluster mash of crapness, to be honest. I mean, from the start, Mark Devlin, unfortunately, I, I didn't know about the tweet, to be honest, Cam. I, I never saw that. So you've you've told me something there. But if he's replied like that, that, you know, I didn't know it was such a big deal. It, it's a massive deal. It, it's one of the biggest things about the club. You know, the fact that it was taken away from the fans, the fact that we've now had no communication and we've had this 48-minute video, which tells us naff all, and I agree with what you guys are saying, in that... It didn't look that special. I mean, fair enough, we might have had an upgrade on a few facilities which might make it uh, better than what Rotherham and Barnsley and, and co have got. But is it really that that great? And then, obviously, we had a, an interview, I think, with Phil afterwards, which I know Ian wants to mention in, in the examiner, which just is beyond belief about what we were told about the whole thing. 
I mean, the, the communication from the club within the last year has been the worst I've seen since I've supported the club and some of you support the club longer than me. So you can tell me whether it, it's been worse. But for, 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 from my side of things, there is a real, real problem with how we are communicating with our supporters off the pitch. And it needs to change. I mean, great, Carlos is doing brilliant things on the pitch at the moment, but it's got to have some harmony off the pitch as well. And at this moment in time, it's just, they're getting it all wrong. They couldn't get it worse. They couldn't get it worse, honestly. Oh, look, I want to start I want to start by saying I am sorry. I am so sorry because I have not stopped asking and we have not stopped asking for a canal side video for months. And they've obviously looked at it and gone, right, let's fill it with as much shit as we can and just throw it out and give it them because I've asked for it. And Devlin might have said afterwards that he didn't realise we wanted it all. Well, we wanted it and we didn't half ah, get it, did we? It's a girthy one. It's about as girthy as I've ever seen. I can't believe them. Honestly, I, I watched it. And first, I cannot believe, at first, I couldn't believe it was serious. I thought it was like an episode of The Thick of It or, or something like that. It was, it was a parody. I'm like, no, they can't seriously be going out with this. But yeah, they did. Fair enough. And, and that's one part of it. Um, but you can break down the entire video into and the reveal of Canal Side and, and the developments at Canal Side into three different parts for me, right? The first one is a positive. I'm going to start with positive. We don't have too many of them or we haven't for so long. Well, let's get that out of the way first. The pictures are fantastic, right? I've played on every single pitch that they've developed down there, including the ones at the back over the canal. And let me tell you, they were the worst in Huddersfield for donkey's years. They were always flooded, a little tiny bit of rain. The bottom corners were awful. No one ever enjoyed going up there. Normally, you'd be down at Leeds Road playing fields and you'd turn up and, and you'd get in there and you'd look at the board and you'd be like, right, where are we playing? We're playing KKS Ashbrow or playing Awood Sports. Which pitch are we on? 11. Oh, no, we're up over the canal. It was always terrible. And Town have done a great job in developing that. So a lot of money will have gone into that because they were terrible. Fantastic, brilliant. That will make a difference to um, the playing 11's ability and, and the, the uh, B team and the under-18s. Fantastic. Step forward. All for it. Every penny spent there is brilliant. The TV, the TV's on the field so they can relay what they want him to show. That's exactly how you, you build a team to be able to play against a team on, on the weekend. That is fantastic. And you won't hear me say a bad word about that. The second part of it, I'll go to the building aspect of it, which, to be honest, to me, looked a little bit um, just crap, to be honest. The build quality didn't look great. Um, the gym, you're looking at that, it looks a little bit small. It just doesn't It doesn't feel like it was what was promised, and it, and it isn't, is it? Everyone's admitted that. They've said, no, that's a Premier, that's a fit for a Premier League club, we're not a Premier League club. We'll look at it again in the future, and that's fine. I've been to a lot of championship um, training facilities. I've been to, well, Sunderland aren't there anymore, uh, Birmingham, Barnsley, Look, I've been to quite a few and, I, and I'll just get this out of the way straight away. There's nothing there that will impress a player from a club of similar stature to town. There's nothing there that will, nothing, apart from the fields themselves because they're great. The actual building, nah, not, nothing there that's great. And you look at you look at the stuff like the, the cryo uh, chamber. It's a uh, shipping container that goes through a blue garage door into a warehouse. The entire thing looks like a warehouse that's been converted into an office block has been then converted into a football facility. My missus came in when I was watching it and she's like, what is this? I'm like, oh, it's it's, town, it's, it's the town's reveal of um, the training facility. And she goes, no, in. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is, Amanda, yeah, it is. And she goes, no, no, no. That looks like a youth rehabilitation centre for for people that have broken the law. And, and as soon as she said that, I've looked at it and I've gone, you know what? It kind of does look, doesn't it? It does look, look a bit like that. 
If it gets the results we're after, then fantastic. But the problem is, it's not impressive enough to attract any players. It's hard to put a pound towards how much we'll lose out on it by not attracting the best players and not developing players to the to the to the most it could be. Um, it's all right saying, oh well, it, it's, it is fit for purpose. It's better than what we had. It is. It, it's better than that, and it's better than stores. Or I've played there before as well when we were up there. Our old uh, manager was uh, at the time the head coach of the women's football team. So we used to train on the AstroTurf and it was worse than like, than at school. Like their facilities were horrendous. You'd be sat there in John, John Thornton's um, changing space and, and I think Kenny Irons there at that time as well. And it, honestly, it was worse than playing at Kirk Eaton in, in dodgy little cricket facilities. It was terrible. So it's better than that, but it's not anything better than other clubs have got and it won't make us stand out compared to other championship clubs. It just won't. But the third aspect of it, is that it looked like an episode of Undercover Boss where people have just turned up and they're like, oh, shit, we're recording. Right, what do we do? Have we got any masks? We need masks on to record it. And they've gone, oh, we've only got under 16-year-old masks. All right, we'll just use them because we've got nothing else. Let's pop it on. Let's pop. To say they've prepared for this for, what, two years, saying that they knew what were coming, and that's what they've put out to us is embarrassing. And whoever signed off on that, my wife and I own a communications agency. We employ communications experts. And seeing that, for a club that had 250 million from Premier from the Premier League um, within the last three to four years is ridiculous. The fact that the two most important people in our club, when it comes to play to recruiting players and, and increasing the budget, so we can recruit more, and Lee Brombe and Mark Devlin cannot either get a mask that fits them or, or or like use a mask is embarrassing. How can you trust somebody who can't wear a mask to run a football club with all the competition involved in that? I honestly cannot believe the club put that out as if it was something serious and expected it to be a success. And they come out after and say, oh, yeah, I didn't realise it was so important. I didn't think town fans wanted it. People have cried out for it for six months, seven months. Are they actually being serious? Are they being serious? Because if, if they genuinely think we don't want it, but they still put that out there and it's as, it's as awful as that, I'm, embar- I'm embarrassed. I won't show any... Like, it's bad enough being a town fan because for years we were awful. And you tell people, I spotted us Phil Town, like, who are they? Who are they? We're like Akron. It was like spotting Akron and Stanley for years, wasn't it? And then we suddenly became pretty good. But you capture people that video. It's like that Wigan Athletic fan that they, they sang a song about Wigan that's pretty terrible, like Hartley put come to pools. It was like it's on that level of 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 like just awfulness. It really is bad. When we built our stadium, we put extra money into it to make it bespoke. Um it was built, it was the first stadium to built into the actual contour of the landscape behind um, Kilner Bank. It's beautiful. And 30 years later, it still stands out as something that is phenomenal. I'd have it over any stadiums built since 1994. It is the best thing the club has done. And then we've gone to training facility that was supposed to be, from when it was told to us, an equivalent in regards to extra money spent. It'd be a legacy for the, from the Premier League. We remember it forever. And it could have put us in a good stead going forward in regards to attracting players. The stadium now has changed to the white seats. looks even better. It looks fantastic. But the training facility is not what was what was promised. It's not what we said we were going to get. And to suddenly say it was only ever going to cost 12 million instead of 20 million so late afterwards, just, just it sticks in my throat. I don't like it. I can't swallow that. It just feels wrong. Um, it is better than what we had, and I will not deny that. And we'll, we'll, we will be a better club because of it. But I strongly believe we could have been an even better club had we done what we said we would have, and we haven't. We, we, we've decided instead of spending the extra, extra, what, 12, uh, 12 14 million on it, we, we've accepted this kind of run of the mill training facility that doesn't stand us out 
to anyone else really. He's just um, another, another training facility for a, for a club in the championship to me. And, and that's based on me seeing them. If you go back to Dean Hoyle's uh, announcement of it or interview of it on BBC Radio Leeds two years ago, he spoke of the fact, and we talk about the stadium, and he was talking about the staff and the players and saying, well, the stadium's great, but we're there once a week, Max. We need somewhere day in, day out for our staff to work out that is a high enough quality. And that's why this was, was designed. It, it's undoubtedly better. I, I remember as a kid walking around, you could walk around stores all and watch town train. You know, it, it wouldn't be hard for Bielsa to turn up with his scouts to have a perv on what's going on, would it? Um, and that's the, that's the point that kind of bites, is that interview with Dean Oil. And, and I realise he's not the major shareholder in the club, but he still owns 25%. He's still technically on Canal Side, from what I gather. You know, are we still paying rent on Canal Side? Is that why it's been scaled back? He's, you know, the video actually brings out more questions. But it it goes back to what he says. It's the day out and day in day out aspects of it. You know, it's yeah, it's better than Porter Cabins, of course it's going to be. But are you going to get the best out of people? Are you going to? Is that going to be the magic thing? When Dean Oil says, oh, yeah, but £20 million in the Premier League, it might buy us one or two players, or it buys Man United somebody's right leg. Those are his words, not mine. That's why we invested it. So it'll be this all-encompassing, amazing facility that, you know, if you had a choice between, I don't know, Derby County and Huddersfield Town, you look at Huddersfield Town's facilities and go, wow, they've invested wisely. You look at that and just think, all right, yeah, it's all right, isn't it? And it's great. That, by the way, the pitches do look absolutely amazing. Um, you know, I, I years ago went down there when it would have been under 18s playing to watch watch them, and it was a bit still a bit you know dodgy back then. Fantastic, but it's it, it, it's like a bullseye, isn't it? When they used to, oh, this is what you could have won, and um, you know, the article, and I tried to find it myself and I put it in our group chat, and it was like error 404, and the only remnants is left is that YouTube video. And it's nothing like it. And I'm just really disappointed because I think it's it, it's pride. It takes a little bit of pride out of you. But it's back to standards. As well, though. Sorry, guys. No, it's a missed opportunity, right? The biggest thing missing for me that really pisses me off is the little stand that we're going to be over the training facility, right? That wouldn't cost very much, I would imagine, in comparison to the rest of it, right? But when you have a club that focuses on um, giving out breakfast to children at schools, now, I'm... Not saying it is the only reason why we do it, but half of that is surely to try and introduce them to the football club. So when they grow up, they're Huddersfield Town fans, right? You have a little stand at your training facility. School, you can invite school kids down throughout the day to see what the football club does on a, on a day-to-day basis. You can have a private viewing of, of Huddersfield Town training. Little, just little things like that. Behind closed door friendlies, you can invite a few select group of people. You can stay as one with, with the community. You can try and develop a fan base like they used to do by inviting fans into canal side to be able to have a beer and a, and a lunch and stuff like that what we've done is we've shut the entire thing off from the club from from the club from the from the public's side of view and and, and now it is just an insular football club that's based in the community but the, other than the breakfast there's very little else that kind of goes on that previously we've had so from the fans perspective the club may have developed in regard to its ability to develop players and, and to train and things like that. But the community aspect of it has now regressed further than it has been for the last 10 years. That little stadium, the little stand on, on the training field could have made a huge difference to the club. And I just feel it's real short-sightedness that that's not there. And that's the biggest issue I have with it all. Well, it goes back to the whole, like, you know, people 
not people making decisions, not understanding what's important to the fan base. Um, the whole importance of, of, of the canal side video was completely underestimated. Uh, and I don't think that, okay, we've made advances in certain areas and that, okay, I, I've seen those old pictures firsthand myself. I used to referee down there and there used to be a real proper quagmire um, when it got to, when it got to the window. Um, and so, yeah, it's a step up, but, Okay, it's not a step up that was vaunted. And would we want? Would we have wanted a couple of years ago to say goodbye to all the great community elements of the football club that we've had and we've enjoyed for the last few years, so that we can make these steps forward? I don't think they're you know mutually exclusive. I don't. I don't think that we had to sacrifice one to build on the other. Um, it's as if it's just been forgotten about a little bit. Um, I remember the club being you know the one that put fifty coaches on to take to take kids from local schools down to, to Wembley. And what, what a great idea that was. And Dean was, that was one, I think, one of the things that Dean was the best at. Um, it was just all the right things. And okay, yeah, of course, it's, you know, it's not completely selfless. We want to get more people in to watch Huddersfield Town. But what a great way of doing it. And, you know, like what a great day out that gave people. The Breakfast Clubs was a brilliant idea. They had that whole outreach, okay? And it was great to go to like back to your local football club and see that young kids were wearing Huddersfield Town shirts for a change. And, and okay, that's harder when you're not in the Premier League anymore. Um, but at the same time, it's just, yeah, there's little touches. And I hadn't even considered the fact that there's no stands to, uh, to watch the games on. Um, but what is there for young fans of the club now? Uh, we spoke to people um, who said, okay, look, they've got young lads who just aren't, who are losing interest now. And that's the saddest thing, because obviously, okay, we've done away with the academy and whether we think that's, a, whether that's justifiable or not. I know Ian has very strong views on that. Um, but what is there for young fans anymore? Are they the future of the club? Are they the ones um, who are going to stop us having 10,000 attendances in, in, you know, in five, 10 years' time? Um, and so, yeah, I do think it's been a little bit forgotten about, which is such a shame, because that, again, was something that stood us out from the rest beforehand. So now we've lost that facet of our identity and we certainly don't have a training ground that's going to stand us out in a sense it was as if they'd foreshadowed what was going to happen at Millwall it was as if they'd been in the little you know manager's room and looked at the big fancy whiteboard and the plastic chairs and gone do you know what I think Carlos might have something he's going to bring Peeper on put him on the left I reckon we might have him we're going to take one massive step forward in the football but you know that's too big for us in one week we're going to massively counterbalance it by putting out this like parody-esque video of a six million pound world-beating training complex just mind boggles it, it, let's see it goes back to standards for me you when you know if you're running a business and you go and invest several million pounds in improving your facilities why would you do that well you want to do it because you want to strive for excellence you want to improve your performance you need to drive your business on whatever business that is and in this case it's football you want to differentiate yourself to your opposition you want to improve the service to your customers, all of those business things that you would justify that investment for. This, the whole thing feels like that'll do. Honestly, I did just, everything is, yeah, that'll do. That's near enough. Yeah, there was that. Yeah, fucking Abbey rate. That's near enough. And I think, I think you're right, Ian. I'd never, like Cam, I'd never thought about the impact um, on, on, Kids on the ability, you know, unlike you, Ian, I've played on, I've played on those pitches, I've played on the pitches at Leeds Road and, and the other side of the canal there, and actually, it was quite interesting. It was formative being able to play there and feel like you played on the the same pitches as the town players. Actually, that was quite a buzz at the time. But you know, I, I, I just, it just worries me that the whole the whole thing seems to be, yeah, that'll do, and that probably extends to the. The communication strategy, you know, I was listening to what Stephen said about some of you followed the club a lot longer and he didn't know if communication had ever been worse. I think in fairness, it's different. 
you know, I think when I was a when I was a kid and I was following town, it was the examiner and and I used to run up thirty pound a week on club call. You know that that was how I got my that's how I got my Huddersfield Town fix. These days it's twenty four seven and it and it's a hundred miles an hour, and and you know the, the story changes as fast as the club can react to it. So, you know, I just it, it just all feels half assed. Um, and I guess that probably means, if that's how I feel, it's a real missed opportunity. Uh, that, that brings it back to what Mark Lillis has always said about uh, Huddersfield folk and Yorkshire folk. folk. We'll tell it as it is. And, yeah. I, 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 and, and I think some people have got a little bit too precious with the criticism because it is all constructive. If they listen, and I think they have listened in aspects of it, then, then it's great. But I, it, when you still have... An, it's been mentioned earlier, you still have a CEO tweeting a fan saying, um, I have no idea that the canal side update meant so much, then you've got an issue because anyone that knows Huddersfield Town fans know we'd like to be informed to a certain extent. Uh, even even when, when Ken Davy was in charge, we wanted to know what was going on. Um, or saying how good Brentford's facilities were, you know, five weeks ago. That's brilliant that Brentford's facilities are great, but and you were the ex CEO of Brentford, but we're not bothered about how good Brentford's facilities are. We want our facilities to be the best, and we don't criticize the club because we like criticizing the club. We we criticize it because ultimately it's our, you know, it's it's part of our lives and we love it. Um, and I, 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 we're all different ages, all different sorts of fans, but end of the day we all want the best for the club and if we don't see that happening whether it's from the academy whether it's from you know whichever department then there needs to be questions asked about that and canal side is one of them and it's one of the biggest parts of the club today today running uh, taking that point actually um it's from the same tweet We're, we're on about shirt sponsorship um very very quickly i want to touch on this um because Less than two weeks ago, Phil Phil Hodgkinson, in his interview with the Examiner, um, said that um, well, the exact words were: other potential sponsors have got close and then pulled out because of the financial uncertainty because of COVID. Um, but a different and innovative solution has been found, and an announcement will be made in the coming weeks. That was uh, just shy of two weeks ago in Huddersfield. Examiner. But then you've got Mark Devlin saying, as for a shirt sponsor, I don't want to accept any old offer just to say we have one. Um, where the hell are we on that? And, and again, it's that saying one thing and doing another thing, which is um, creating a discourse or a disparity between the fan base and the club. If it's innovative, there's one of two options, right? It's either a charity again that we've had before, or it's going to be a raffle. And the raffle will be to local businesses, so you can chuck in two, three grand, whatever it is, and um, they'll pick it out of a hat. And I think they can change the sponsorship either three times a year, I think you can have. Um, so that's what I'm going to guess out of that. They're either going to give it a charity or they'll do a raffle for uh, sponsorships to try and bring it in. Because I think the Giants did it 10 years ago or so, and they did pretty well with it. So um, that's the only thing there. But to say we're so late in the season and we've got no sponsorship, they can say what they want, but it's a failure. It's a huge failure for the commercial director who we have not heard from at all bar one interview that felt felt a bit odd like Stephen said before the guys that have been brought in <clears throat> when Dean all came in he was the owner and I know he might have had a CEO under him but he was a spokesperson for the club he did everything for the club anytime we had an issue there'd be a Q&A and Dean all come out and say 
hey, calm down, fellas. We're all right. We're okay. We know what we're doing. Now Phil's brought in guys that when they talk, sound like they know nothing about us. They know nothing about the way that, that we want our club, our club, because we own the club. They can say they own the club. Business-wise, legally, they own the club. But when the customers are also the uh, shareholders realistically, and if we don't go, there is no club, um, they have to cater for what we want. At the moment, we're getting thrown stuff that doesn't feel familiar, that feels very different, and is very alienating. Um, so I've got issues all the way around the directors that have been appointed. Um, but when you've not got a shirt sponsor this late into a season and everybody else, what, 95% of clubs in, in the Football League does have and we don't, you can't sit there and say, oh, well, they've not met what we're wanting. Well, you're asking for too much and you've got that wrong. Accept that. Come out and say, we've got it wrong. We overvalued the club because ultimately capitalism says you'll get what you're worth. Don't lie to us. Don't say we're not going to just accept any offer. It's not about accepting any offer. It's accepting what you are worth. And whatever we've been asking has obviously been too much considering the situation that the country and the world is facing at the moment with um, COVID-19. Well, just to sum it up, um, Matt Devlin, as we said, tweeted last night, um, Saturday night, saying about how, you know, when he said about the canal side, obviously saying about this, but shirt sponsorship deal, not not going to accept any old deal. Uh, on, thir- on, on, on Tuesday, should I say, this week, he responded to a tweet saying that we're finalising some details, re the shirt sponsor situation, should be announcement later in the week. I haven't seen any announcement. I, 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 I don't understand where like it's a constant stream of inconsistent information that just completely sums it up um we've been finalizing for so long now we're nearly like halfway point in the season practically by the time we see it and then it'll end up being the bloody sun or something at this rate you know to follow the rest of the calamities we've seen i don't know what to expect are we gonna have you kipping blazing across the away kit to match with a purple and yellow theme god knows so <laughs> i just don't know what to expect anymore fellas when De- <clears throat> i think when dean ran the club he, he you know dean's a very astute businessman not saying phil isn't but dean was and good businessmen surround themselves with good people because that makes your life easier and i think what dean did was he was very selective who he who he surrounded himself with and they delivered for him you know my question really and and i've said this before that the whole dynamic around Huddersfield town changed when devlin came in you know just before he came in the cowlers were the future phil was phil was doing q and a's at fulham you know and then within weeks of of mark being here that the whole thing changed we don't know what mark's objectives are you know what objectives i would assume phil as his boss sets him some objectives and the pure objective might be league table position and everything else might be an irrelevance which is why he pays he pays perhaps less interest and more lip service to stuff that we're really interested in but he's not so you know i think it's um as i say the whole thing just smacks of i've done as good as i can i don't really know what your problem is um, at the moment, and and that needs a shift. Really, I think the the risk around fan disengagement is real. The listen, we have to give credit where credit's due. The club, at least, are coming out and sticking their head above the parapet, which they weren't doing before. So, I listen. I think for all the criticism I've given, and perhaps one or two of us have today, you still have to admire the fact they're finally listening and finally coming out. Uh, I, you know, and if they want to work with the fans, we'll find a way for us all to get where we want to go. They've got to keep us engaged and they've got to keep us informed, even if it's bad news. And that's the key thing going forward is keeping us engaged because there is, as we enter um, 
the second kind of mini lockdown, but then, then again, the first one was only supposed to be three weeks, ended up being three months. The, re- the reality of the situation is we, we, we as fans will not be going back into football stadiums as much as people can protest about it, as much as Henry Winter can write articles about it, that we need to be going. We're not going back into stadiums. We're probably not going back into stadiums until March, April at the very earliest. I'd say until next season uh, at, the, at the earliest, it, it, being honest. And the ways that, that, that clubs are interacting with, with fans now are through social media because it's the easiest and the best way to do stuff. And Town have done really good stuff. The, the stuff around um, FIFA uh, videos, the, the, the reveals with Fraser Campbell, Lewis O'Brien, Toffolo, etc. Fantastic. It keeps kids engaged. It keeps big kids like Ian engaged because he's 30-odd and still plays FIFA. Um, that's great. It's great. Do more of that. Do more of that. But you've also got to keep people like us engaged. And, and you know, if we're sitting back on a Thursday night watching a video laughing, I mean, I, I Gaz said it perfectly. It just seems that'll do. And I've done it before at work when you, when you just get something out and say, oh, that'll do. I've also pulled work. I did, I did a video for my work six weeks ago and I pulled it because it was shit. And because I, I realised it wasn't good enough. It's, it's just that bit of quality control that's lacking, and it? it's been lacking for a while. And we're, we're not doing it for doing it for criticism's sake. God no, we're, we're all loving the football now. It's great, but we just want the club to be the best of what it, it can be. That's why we're fans. And if Huddersfield Town could be the best of what they can be, then we can go home or go to games or do whatever we do, happy and, and, and feeling part of the club. And, and it's missing at the minute, and it's still missing. And just listen to us, please, because we don't want to do this every other week. We don't want to whinge about it, but we're having to do because stuff like this keeps happening. Um, we'll move on from that because we've done a good half hour. Quick, quick one before everyone's laptops and, and iPads die. Um, midweek, Bristol City. Um, Cam, I'll start with you. Predictions? Uh, prediction? Well, they're not the one, they've not won in five, but then... Four of them have been against top five teams. It's going to be a difficult one, but it's hard to go against Town off that showing. So, briefly, 1-0 Town. Gaz? Um, I'm going the same as, as you, Cam. I watched a bit of the Bristol City-Norwich game on TV yesterday. Um, the new manager struggling to get his ideas across. Uh, and they've spent some money. So, you know, I would, I would think they're probably expecting better than they are at the moment. But I just fancy us to, to sneak a win in that. I think a 1-0 is probably about right, I think. Steve? You're on mute, Steve. Come on. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I'll go uh, 2-1 town. Um, and, you know, let's have a great performance uh, like we did at Millwall. I want to know what you're going, Greg, before I say what I'm going to say. one all. one all. All right. Well, one all all in we're not all in sync, but I've put some more money on Bristol City to win just to offset the arseholes that try and back town every time town play. So, uh, town going to win because I've backed Bristol City, are they? That's how it goes. Town going to win 2 0. Similar performance, I reckon, to this weekend. I think uh, score really does. Defender 1 0 win until uh, late on where we get a dirty one against a runner play. When uh, well, Let's go 26 passes this time. Let's improve it. Come on, Carlos. Come yeah. on, we want more. 25 isn't enough. Best goal ever. I want best goal ever again this week. Come on, mate. 
Well, Cobble Ball is in full swing. Liquid football, as we said earlier. Town sits just in the top half of the table and we are enjoying life on the field, off the field. It could improve. What a time to be alive anyway. Gentlemen, very, very, very grateful for all of your time uh, this, this Sunday afternoon. Uh, enjoy your weeks. We'll be back next weekend or next Monday when we shut this out. So to those naysayers, we'll, we'll get this out on Monday. So, you know... When we win, we're really slow at getting things out, apparently, because we're negative. Um, <laughs> uh, noted, but uh, we were waiting for Mr. Hodgkinson's uh, interview when we did that. Um, so, yes, gentlemen, thank you very much. Enjoy your week. Hopefully, town can bring back three more points. Goodbye. <laughs>